0: Hi Jeremy mm, Hi Raphael, sorry just taking a sip from a delicious cappuccino I made at home
1: <laughs> Oh yeah <laughs> what, what, do, you, uh, do you grind your own beans? Or can you tell me about your ritual?
0: Yeah, no, it's a new ritual, I'm trying to start it because I don't have enough uh, addiction. Was it a Christmas gift? Yeah, it was a Christmas gift. But it's uh it's like uh it's only on the weekend I, I think that's the way the ritual's gonna work. And um when I was in Norway I kinda got addicted to like cardamom cappuccinos. So Kristen was very kind at uh Christmas. She got me a like a cappuccino machine or like an espresso machine and like a grinder and like this uh cardamom.
1: I, I don't know if people are aware, but uh cappuccino machines go from 10 bucks to maybe half a million you can have the really industrial size ones that they have in the best cafes so there's a whole uh range and, and a universe of making coffee
0: <laughs> i think people are, are pretty aware because they're paying so much for coffee they're like yeah. how does this all add up but i not- don't know
1: if I, if I ever mentioned this but i've never had a cup of coffee in my life
0: oh you've never even tried it no
1: i'm against hmm. it
0: yeah, I, I was kind of against it. I was against a lot of things, but uh, I turned a corner. <laughs> now, I don't know, but I, I I'm exploring. I'm exploring it for the fun of it, and like you know, putting different things on top of it, like cardamom is actually a really delicious spice that can be used in either yeah. savory or sweet. <laughs> but
1: but uh, I, I'm as a purist, uh, I'm I'm not a fan of uh, flavored teas with with fruit flavor or mm. other flavors. So uh, do you do you feel like coffee? With flavoring, that's kind of a you, you. go into Starbucks Frappuccino area once you you go down that road.
0: Right, right, right. Well, I think like, yeah, you, you're kind of you're kind of getting. Hitting do, on you wanna, it's, it's, do
1: you want Do you want a hazelnut beef stew cappuccino?
0: <laughs> beef stew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. It's I, uh, winter. Well, you're in California, right? So you're in the land of uh, that kind of. <laughs> culture <laughs> yeah. that beef stew cappuccinos
1: yeah 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 yeah. quinoa cappuccino or something
0: yeah <laughs> um yeah so no, I'm all about yeah.
1: tea so I, I, I I'm always waiting for the barista movement but the equivalent in tea and now I see a lot of places in New York that are into matcha tea but I'm mm-hmm. more into sencha and gemmaicha and hojicha and the more clear, clear. teas not okay. the foamy ones so um you're better it's, than it, everyone it, else. It, no, it, it's, <laughs> it, I'm just waiting for that wave to catch on where people are like, oh, this is a really good Earl Grey. That people mm. could be as excited about a very special blend of mint tea or an Earl Grey and not something too industrial.
0: I know, I know what you're saying. And specifically because like, um, I've talked to Americans who, very, who have lived in England and are very frustrated with American tea culture being so far behind. That said, mm-hmm. This holidays I was traveling, traveling throughout America and there was like a tea place at the airport, which, uh, surprised me a little bit that there was like a tea only kind of at the Chicago airport Tivana
1: or something like that. Yeah. Here in
0: in Canada, we have a bunch of tea chains, David's tea being like probably the more, uh, common one. Uh, and and I I have to
1: say Starbucks is doing pretty good work with tea compared to the other chains.
0: Really? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Well, they must have, They must know. There's probably a trend report out there I mean, right the, now that's yeah. like tea's the next thing.
1: The bottom is that sort of McDonald's or diner tea where you, uh, you get this bag of English tea and you dip it in for half a mic- microsecond and the tea is blacker than coffee.
0: Did you just say a mic microsecond? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know a, a McDonald's microsecond. Anyway, uh, we you know what? Before we get to our but I interrupted this, like, your
1: teeth, coffee ritual. Sorry. Sir. No, no, it's
0: okay. It's yeah. a, it's an interesting apple to go down. But
1: I I, I want to know: Do you roast your own beans, or how far do you go?
0: Well, the beans that I have today actually are really ex- kind of exciting. They're from Bali <laughs> and they were roasted in a small town in Arizona. Because as you know, I was like traveling over the break in Arizona and I ended up in a small town um, called uh, Biz, uh, was it, what's the, it's like and Mar- uh, not Bismarck. It's like, anyway, this Biz town <laughs> uh, and like near the border with Mexico it's like built into a, it's like a mining town. And there was a guy that is like sitting, standing on the street there selling. He was a very, very funny guy, like a redhead, uh, redheaded guy that didn't belong in Arizona. Like, you know, because you know, obviously a very fair skinned. And I asked him where he was from. He's like, from Boston. And I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, I'm roasting coffee. Well, that's <laughs> anyway, exactly
1: anyway. what I'm talking about. Like, I, I feel jealous or disenfranchised as a tea fanatic and like why is there not a similar person or why is there not a wave of people growing local teas in the u.s and in in regions that have a favorable climate
0: that's true that's yeah there's
1: there's less but uh, my my suspicion is that just tea doesn't have the upper effect as much as coffee and so all the the sophistication around coffee is just a veiled drug addiction just like wine uh, is is self-medication so I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that the passion around it is because people want to have that wake-up moment.
0: But I don't think it was like that forever. Like um, you know, because uh, coffee shops in in general are, are espresso is a new culture in North America, relatively speaking. It's only like 20 years old. Um, and then like you know, before that, there are other sort of cultures, like or even now craft brewing, right? Like how yeah. many breweries? And, and
1: so be, that's a good segue into is, progress. Is it,
0: Okay, yeah, it's true. It's good. Well,
1: I I think if you time traveled and you went to the 70s and you're like, I want a good cup of coffee, and you're in in the US in any town and it's just diner coffee, then you could say there's a lot more choice now. And Mm -hmm. then you could argue does that create anxiety or does it create a better drinking experience?
0: right 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 it was a good segue i thought you're you know it's also a good segue into at least letting people know like Hel- welcome back it's a happy new year we took happy like new a, um, guys. we yeah. did take a one week break i know it's true we shouldn't waste any time on that because i think probably every podcast is like trying to do some kind of happy new year thing and you're by now a week after january first you're sick of hearing it i know but um yeah we took a little break and we're back and so we <laughs> but every at the beginning of every new year you think progress because you think did, like did
1: we take a break yeah, we took if, one week off. Oh, wow. Time flew.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was like, I felt really lazy. <laughs> so was how like, was
1: your trip in Colorado?
0: It was not at all la- lazy. We were driving. I was like, I drove like a thousand miles. Uh, like someone was saying like, we were watching and it's like one day you're in the south, part, southern part of the state. Then you're in the northern. Then you're in the eastern. And
1: what is it about being lazy that feels bad?
0: Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. it I think it's like it, there are gears, right? So you you gear up and you gear down and you can't, it's very hard to go from lazy to fast, you know, to you know, to stressed to lazy again or whatever. Um, so you kind of have to like like meditation, you know, descend into the ocean. Uh, of laziness and I don't know if we often give ourselves the time to do that. not everyone's like that but I'm like that it takes me a few days like the, I think I told you the first few days I was like having panic attacks like what am I supposed to do with myself <laughs> I don't have a <laughs> deadline uh, <laughs> but uh anyway I never really did it's funny because I got back from break and I never really did come down and ever had a day off um like a day of like rest And so I was like fast and furious in my first week back at work. I'm
1: very, very interested in uh, uh, group psychology or the the peer pressure or the culture that you live in and how how much that uh, determines how you feel about your daily life. So uh, you grow up thinking, oh, it's good to always be busy and help people and create something and start something. Mm -hmm. And you've been taught that uh, just sitting around playing video games is bad And that's just very deep in all of us.
0: Yeah. I mean, normally I would play a video game over the holidays. It's actually a ritual I normally would uh, embark upon, but I did not uh, do that. I tried. I I downloaded a video game and didn't play it. (laughs) But because the
1: topic of the week is, is progress, and one of the things that fascinates me is if we figure out all these machines to do the work for us, Mm -hmm. then progress would be that we would have more free time and we could be lazy. So that that could be one trajectory of progress. There are many many different ways you could define progress. You could think of progress in terms of um, technological capabilities or progress in terms of GDP growth or life expectancy or number of people in the world or whatever goal you set.
0: Yeah, I mean, so one interesting... um you know, travel point while I was in Arizona was a a trip to this place called Arcosanti that was like a, a, like a a vision by it was, there's an Italian American architect named Paolo Soleri. He died in 2013, I think. Um, And he had this vision for a a progressive form of architecture that married like sustainability with uh, scalability and like architecture and ecology. Basically he called it arcology, um, and that that we could, like, build cities that were harmonious with the planet. Um, and so he had this idea for, I mean, this, this city that he was going to build in the middle of the desert, which doesn't seem like a great s- place to do a sustainable city. Regardless, uh, it's, like, m- now, like, a commune kind of maintained by people. He ha- One of the things that you, like, in kind of the lobby or cafeteria there, you see is, the like, how, how ambitious his plan was was to build... It, it got to this point where he wanted to build these things called hyper buildings, and they'd have like 400,000 people living in one building. So it'd be like a city in a building connected by magnetic levitation trains. Um, and these trains apparently would go to Arcosanti, you know. Yeah. From, but from, from, this is, I,
1: don't know. I, I immediately, uh, it's interesting to me because he has all these ideas on how to improve, but sometimes just sitting still would be the best improvement and the best sustainable idea. Like, I just watched. Uh, well, I, I, <laughs> I I I th- I think I've seen this movie a bunch of times, but I just watched it in the theater again. Uh, there will be blood. Mm-hmm. It's a movie about a guy who starts with silver mining and finds oil, and the, he's he's quite greedy, and it's all about profit, and he hates his fellow man, and he just wants to crush the competition, and that's mm-hmm. and and but when I hear modernist uh, uh, architecture <laughs> yeah. with with dreams, it's it's ju- can be just as destructive or as just this a similar sort of idiotic drive, which is a very fun thing. It's fun to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's fun to have a clear purpose saying like, hey, we need to build, re- rethink cities so we're not destroying the planet. And then whatever decision you make it might be for good or for bad, you don't know till you do it. But just this singular drive can be – this myth of progress is very interesting to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think, like, in the case of, of, of Arcosante, what struck me was that um, it's very mu- it was very much a myth. or And it's like a bit of a retro utopia, but utopias are kind of, um, you know, how we often well, they, look they, at... Well,
1: they, 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 they want to create a revolution instead of an evolution.
0: Well, yeah, potentially. And that's but- always dangerous. The, the funny thing there, like, just candidly, was that, like, it's being run like a, a, you know, a bit like a commune, and so the people that are working there, um, you know, are mostly artists, but of a certain mid-southwest uh, southwest kind of...
1: Were people having sex everywhere?
0: Uh, no, but, like, they were... Look, I'm a designer, so I was like, what are these furniture choices? Or, like, how <laughs> come you haven't, like, uh you know, um, painted this tarnish out? Or, like, why did you use scotch tape to put up Paolo Solari's, like, landmark work, <laughs> you know, like, why are you, Why are you treating this place with such disrespect? Um, and so, yeah. it, you know, actually there was the opposite of progress. What you were talking about, people laying around, that's what I saw there. It was like, this place is just, like, decaying. It's really not um, – so there's the image of progress, and then there's, like, the reality. It's, it's like
1: the, the Burning Man after party nine months later. That's how to- I imagine yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that was kind of what it was. Where, and where yet-
1: some people, they, they just – Had way too many drugs and it's still in their system, and they keep going, What if this party could last forever?
0: (laughs) Well, don't get me wrong, like they're very friendly. They were, it was, well, actually, when we first came in, it felt like a bit like cultish and no one even said hi. But anyway, over time, it appeared that the people were, I don't know, actually, I'm gonna say it's just a weird, it's kind of a weird place. Yeah,
1: it's when you deconstruct everything at some point, nothing makes sense anymore. (laughs) Yeah. But it, it, it's interesting to me that a place like uh, California and Silicon Valley came yeah. out of counterculture and technology coming together, mm-hmm. but sort of, let's rethink everything. And that can be used for good and for bad. So, oh, let's distribute information freely and share it and everyone can participate and we can build a, 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 a knowledge base and we can build a database of human activity and we can learn from that. and we can. So there's this undercurrent of like, let's rethink and improve. But at the same time, you destroy things, and we're seeing uh, that change always has a plus and a minus.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm going to have to go here for a second because it's in the news, but, like, um, you know, you mentioned Burning Man and the kind of culture... Uh, in California, that you know, even in the in the nineteen seventies, kind of free love culture too, led to this idea that we could we could challenge the status quo. We could do things differently. Be a little weird, right? Uh, even in Arizona, it's funny that I didn't realize that they branded themselves as like weird Arizona, right? So like just being yeah. different is a part of the identity. But meanwhile, that's kind of like um, affecting Silicon Valley in some pretty horrific ways when you mix that with a a lot of money and power. And Um, then you
1: get to weird libertarian utopia and like,
0: well, yeah, and, and potentially only on behalf of, like, men. There's this new book, I don't know if you heard about it, called Brotopia, and there's a Vanity <laughs> Fair article. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll find it em- in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Emily Chang is the writer, and it's about it, how, yeah. like, sex and drugs and th- these crazy orgy parties driven by MDMA on, like, like exclusive islands that CEOs and co-founders, are like, but it, it's, it's and just and like... I
1: think I it's the human stuff. drive that you just get really excited excited when you have a purpose and so often that Mm -hmm. purpose can seem ridiculous afterwards but at the time it seems completely reasonable it's like uh, the ride-sharing economy they're like okay all the cars are sitting still during the day we're Mm -hmm. not using that inventory and Airbnb seems like okay all these houses are empty people are going on vacation why don't they share their house and you think okay that's a great idea Mm -hmm. and then you keep using it for a few years and it seems that then a city like Amsterdam is really Overwhelmed by the amount of tourists, and the tourists don't feel a connection to the city, so they make a mess, and uh, the people who live there can't afford to live there anymore. So the leaves of the city becomes even more of a f- sort of playground or a, 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 a theme mm-hmm. park, and so uh, progress is just it. It I feel like it uh, a lot of it stems from not being satisfied with or, or a restlessness. Mm-hmm. Which is just that—that's th- our human nature, I think, to to um, no, to, no, make sure safe, that, yeah. to make sure we're safe. To make sure we're safe, in the same way that we both have savings and keep uh, investing and make sure we're okay. It's 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 our survival instincts going haywire.
0: Mm-hmm. But I—I I mean, I just uh, I had to deliver like a a presentation on innovation this week and. You know, trying to figure out what's essential about progress is is part of the story of discuss, You know, and discussing innovation, and at the end of the day, I kind of my feeling is it boils down to one word, which is just like a craving for new, and it's just new. There's like besides the word new, there's really nothing uh, but the, more that, yeah. that progress represents.
1: There was a um, uh, there's this. Uh, YouTube, uh, he's an NYU professor, but he makes a lot of uh, videos explaining the growth of technology and where it's headed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott Galloway He's at NYU. I saw him sp- also speaking live once. It's very impressive because he, he can cram so much information in a short video. But um, he's talking about how the big four, and uh, the, uh, the big companies are just dominating everything now at, at, at scary levels. Mm-hmm. and uh, they might have to be broken up like Amazon should separate their cloud business and everything but it, the the underlying current is always when you hear the founders of these big companies speaking it's like we want to make life better that, yeah. and and but then the question is always what what's better is it better if we're behind our screens more or is it better if we go out and uh well and also uh, what's do better other for thi- one, yeah so, what's better
0: for one person might be yeah worse yeah for yeah but mm-hmm. so
1: the, the I think the undercurrent of progress is, is such a powerful force that uh, in and the and the competitive element that you get blindsided you just mm-hmm. you're like oh wow I have a goal because life without a goal is really hard.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I mean you're in I'm think I mean yes, everyone you kind of need a goal to know to assess whether you're doing well or not I suppose yeah. if you yeah. care
1: I mean, about in, that, right? Yeah, in, also in art in, but it, maybe it's similar the way science has made such leaps Mm -hmm. uh, and technology has made such leaps and for 3,000 or 5,000 years I think Egyptian art was pretty much the same you were told this is the way we do it and just perfect it the same Mm -hmm. way that you might perfect making tea and you don't have to reinvent making tea all the time Mm -hmm. and um, maybe the last 500 years in visual art when you have an art history book there's always this really clear progress like oh they invented the photo camera so then painters had to rethink what painting means Mm -hmm. and that's why they invented all these funny ways of seeing. And then along came postmodernism, and it flipped that, and then comes along media art, and it can create new ways of seeing because we were never able to add things like randomness and interaction, so there's a whole new way. That kind of progress has always excited me.
0: Uh, I'm surprised to actually hear you say that a little bit because you often present the artist as having freedom from the constraints of a goal, um, yeah to, you know, yeah, but it's meet, almost like the,
1: the prime directive of art is to explore something that other people didn't yet or not mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not easy and you try, but uh, uh, that's a, at least in my life that's always been like, oh, let's go find a, a little corner that's unexplored.
0: Because mm-hmm. like my perception often has been like as an artist, my job is to be ready to spot an opportunity for progress when I see it. Um, And sometimes to create the conditions where I I can do that. But basically, because you just never know, you're usually reacting to your environment, you know, uh, and what's happening around you. And so often, uh, you know, as an individual myself, and I assume others have this problem as well, you're, you're very driven by like the immediate, your immediate surroundings, your immediate goal. What I use art for quite often to do is to take a step back and observe. Or when I see something to be in a position to listen to it, uh, where otherwise I would try and you know I might ignore it as just an anomaly. I would be like, oh, that's a weird little dot on the horizon. What's that? Yeah, and then but uncover you, the, but you. But you
1: immediately when you went to art school, you uh, looked. You didn't look at society, just at society as large, but also art history. And you're like, okay, well, there was a lot of formal research in painting, so I'm not gonna go in that area. Mm-hmm. I feel more at home in uh, human relationships. But even then. Uh, your topics were more about human relationships and the body it, you mm-hmm. looked at the history of that and you feel like oh i shouldn't do that or that or that because that's mm-hmm. been explored in, in depth true. already
0: yeah it's derivative yeah. yeah um yeah and i get uh, apparently i think i always joke about this like the most uh, common thing among tweens it might not be the case anymore because that culture just moves so fast but like the biggest insult you could give uh like a fellow 12 year old is like that's that person's just not relevant <laughs> like being yeah. relevant is like the the most important thing to a, a young teenager today yeah but so. it, to get
1: just to, to illustrate it because it, yeah. it's often said like oh everything's been done so don't worry about originality but mm-hmm. I, I did a residency in paris and in, uh, in 2007 i think and it's called Cité des Arts, and you can yeah, come back. You can come back often once you're you're in. Like you create a relationship, and you can apply again and again. So mm-hmm. there were still sort of impressionist painters who would go to the river, the Seine, and sit there and paint the boats uh, with watercolor in a sort of Monet-esque way. Mm-hmm. So. That would be weird for you to get an easel and uh, <laughs> it, it sort of go in a beret. Like I'm not even exaggerating. They would also wear a beret. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's... It, it, I think often you're like, if you ask an artist, are you original? It's very hard to say. It's like, no, I mean, my work refers to a lot of other things. But then you see someone working in a really... Uh, someone who's making portraits of people with clay. And, uh, you know, and you're like, oh, that's something of... Uh, so... Whether that's oh. progress or not, there's change, but
0: uh, no, I, I think that there's a tension there that's kind of difficult too, because sometimes what's new or what seems progressive is actually novelty, and, and in fact, yeah, uh, yeah, not is, very it, interesting. is it
1: interesting? But if you would go to, yeah, it's like, uh, it's like uh, Che Guevara
0: painted out of like chewing gum or something like that. It's like nothing. Yeah, not but if you compare
1: this. something like a uh, Coachella to uh, an opera house in in the 17th century, and you feel like, okay, did we progress? Like, there, there's been a lot of change in music, and you look at the trajectory, and technology had an impact, and social media had an impact, and the way people uh, interact with each other changed. And so, is that progress? That, or, mm-hmm. or is it decline? I don't know. That so that's m- maybe the interesting thing to me. So there'll always be change, and we're all motivated to find new things. And it, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's really no way to ascribe value. Is 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 Coachella a better experience than uh, an opera in a cathedral in the 15th century? Or or, or, or uh, people sitting around a campfire 30,000 mm-hmm. years ago singing a song? I, I I don't know if that's progress, but it's definitely different.
0: I mean, I know that right now, I would say, I was talking to a friend about this earlier this week, that we're still in the era uh, of, a, of the search for authenticity. And so, you know, amidst uh, a culture of like hyperspeed, you know, like an agent of accelerationism has been, has been uh, you know, termed, we're, we're actually more driven to find the authentic. And so we're more driven to look for what is essential. Or Do you mean the authentic as,
1: as opposed to a mediated experience?
0: I mean the authentic as in, like, the thing that has been true forever. You know, I think that's the way I would describe authenticity is as uh, the thing that is not artificial, you know? And so, because I think often we think about progress as um, what's new and therefore it can often be confused with artifice uh, and... And well, what I'm saying is like they're Often in those times people recognize that And they're like, oh, this is actually pretty shallow And then they, they seek some but meaning or truth Yeah, right? yeah
1: it, it gets tricky when you think of um, The history of violence in human history And, and war mm-hmm. uh, I think it was it, It's not, I think I think there's research that there was a lot more war in the past And so now a lot of people play video games And have a mediated artificial mm-hmm. war experience And maybe get that out of their system Right um, I, I don't know what caused it but there's less war in, in human history so maybe part right. of that is this mediated experience of getting it out of your system through cinema or video games and so you could say okay that's a less experience than getting your head blown off in, in, in the trenches Right.
0: And you live in New York, and New York apparently now still has, like, the crime rate continues to plummet in New York. Yeah, it's like- yeah.
1: So there's, there's something going on. Uh, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's all the surveillance, or I don't know. But um, <laughs> it feels like it could be progress that we're getting our war uh, fantasies out in video games instead of in real life.
0: I don't know. It seems to me like progress was once like really easy to measure. And maybe what you're getting at is this. Because you're mentioning like thousands of different uh, potential tendrils of progress. But where you are in California, it used to be very simple. Progress was the automobile and nuclear energy and like a future with limitless potential. Well, it,
1: it was also a, a very hard life physically, like fighting the elements and fighting hunger. And once mm-hmm. you passed that, then it, progress could be like, oh, let's uh, remove friction from photo sharing.
0: Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like modernist progress was like pretty much it was written it was in clear. a book. You, yeah, you can yeah, read yeah. it. Here, here's your book on progress. All right, everyone, like follow the orders. And then, <laughs> yeah. the, and well, then again, purpose some point, is yeah.
1: really motivating and makes you, uh, if of all heads are. But uh, this was I forgot to mention. So Scott Galloway, the the guy that I mentioned, made one video about progress where he showed a graph of. Uh, the manhattan project when they developed the atomic bomb to fight off the germans and mm-hmm. uh, it, it created world peace somewhat and uh, putting it using 400,000 of the smartest people in the us to do that or so, some number like that and then in 1969 using 500,000 people with manual calculations to put a man on the moon
0: mm-hmm. that was
1: progress and now all the IQ is in uh, Silicon Valley, all the smartest brains are drawn there, basically for ads and e-commerce.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and so is that progress when we use human potential to create clickbait? Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, they didn't they say like after the Wall Street crash, like all the Wall Street people also, well, like before the Wall Street crash, all of the people that should have been going into technology were just going into the bit in the financial sector um because that was where the most opportunity was and so progress was happening around really horrible products like you know derivatives and whatever and like you know shady mortgages and things like that um you know people were applying their math skills to figure out how to juice uh you know yeah or to create trading
1: algorithms and things like that
0: yeah 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 Yeah. i mean uh, what the the point i often make as an artist when i give i give a talk on, on something similar is that for a long time, progress was ideological. And so, you know, we had but many, you need, many generations. Yeah, you need,
1: an, you need an ideological undercurrent because I, I think, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm exaggerating, but very few people, even the most, the hardest capitalists still have an ideological undercurrent. They've been raised to think that growth is good. So growth yeah, at all costs. Yeah, yeah I mean. And, There's no and, logical and, and, uh, explanation why growth is good. It's just <laughs> embedded in us
0: yeah if you were gonna, if if you believed progress was um, you know uh, some kind of health and prosperity, you, you wouldn't have designed capitalism the way it is to which is a destructive force I'm not sure
1: it. I still think it's it, if you look at the life expectancy and and human uh, mm-hmm. lives then it it created a lot of safe lives more than any other yeah, system except
0: that now uh, apparently America at least has peaked out and is actually for the first this generation mm-hmm. has the, a shorter life expectancy than their parents yeah
1: too much sugar in the diet <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say so yeah you have this ideolog- ideological movements and I, I like to tie this to aesthetic progress just for a second so previously you might Oh, ooh have had, Jeremy like- is bringing in aesthetics <laughs> oh my god <laughs> well, previously you might have had like an ideology, like uh, you know, let's just say like one of the subsets of modernism. Let's say like minimalism might have been an ideology. It's pushed forward, and that that adjusts aesthetic progress is measured against that ideology. You know, like yeah, fast I just forward. went to
1: the Rietveld Schröder House, and that was a, uh a house built on modernist ideologies and radical living. And uh, it, mm-hmm. they're like, we, we got to get rid of the old stuff. That was really so clear.
0: All I'm saying is like at a certain point um, in maybe, I, I like to say maybe in like the eighties or nineties, that kind of aesthetic uh, progress was, you know, no longer about ideology. There's like obviously twinges of postmodernism coming out of the nineties, but we're full on in an era where it seems like, the progress that we seek is on a like is is on a uh, consumer cycle so it's like yeah. what did this company come out with this year and that's driving aesthetic progress and i find that really even in architecture you have this concept of blob blob architecture or whatever it's called but like the certain software developments allowed us to do things we couldn't have done before but with no ideology underpinning that except yeah. well, that it, we've made technical progress
1: one one way i always think about it is um, you want to be honest about the time that you're living in. Mm-hmm. And so if the time that you're living in creates these new opportunities for software and building, uh, to make buildings and, and lives are changing, then you should respond to that. You should not try to build in the old way. Uh, so I guess, <laughs> yeah. The, you know. but I was
0: like, like last night I went out for drinks with a friend of mine who lives in Hong Kong and Hong Kong is directly opposite Shenzhen. Um, or right next to Shenzhen in China, and as you know, and our listeners probably know, Shenzhen is sort of the technology manufacturing capital of the, the world.
1: The hardware capital, yeah, where you can build yeah. any machine, and they have every part,
0: and they can scale fast. And yeah, she was saying, uh, you know, uh, she goes to Shenzhen quite often just to see what's new, because they <laughs> and they have this attitude there of like radical experimentation. And they just do things. They don't even think about whether they should do it. They just do it. Yeah. And then suddenly, it's, so it's like a theme park. And well, also, it's like a, comp- um,
1: a human compulsion. Wait, it's possible. <laughs> I got to do it. So, yeah, or else yeah, someone yeah. else might do it.
0: But she was comparing it and contrasting it to America, where that's no longer the case. And she was using patent law and copyright as a way of uh, demonstrating this, that, um, you know, there they actually steal ideas from each other. And that's considered a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Because but it, there's this saying that, that added,
1: copyright is the right to copy.
0: Yeah. And she was saying their attitude is like, um, is that, well, if it doesn't matter if someone copies me because I want to be able to copy them. And by the time they copy me, I've already got my next idea, which is kind, it started reminding me of it, the way a lot of uh, artists sometimes. Sounds like Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. um, but meanwhile, in the United States, you know, kind of some of what we consider progress has, has come down to like, OK, I have this intellectual property. I'm going to defend it at all costs. And I'm not going to let anyone else have access yeah. to it. Then I'm going to charge a licensing fee. Um, so it was kind of interesting to hear it through that lens and that I was cultural and also built into the ideology of China, which is this ideology that you never do anything for yourself. You always do it for the benefit of the greater uh, populace. Now, whether it's a good or bad thing, that's the belief. But, um, yeah, that it's, just,
1: it's just very deep, the, the, the prime directive.
0: Mm-hmm. And that that results in a bizarre kind of entrepreneurialism, I don't. I find it fascinating. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if a lot of Americans would point at China when they think about progress, but they probably haven't visited. I haven't visited, but the stories I hear from people that are living there is that, like, stuff's, like, popping up overnight. Um, yeah, and people feel detail. very optimistic. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, there's a lot of bad stuff going on, too. Obviously, there are human rights violations. There's pollution, plenty. But meanwhile, they're they're over, they're over invested or over-indexed on solar energy, on electric cars. So it's like a lot of people are talking about, I think now, like new yeah. ideological the, the forces. Thing, the
1: thing for me about uh, Chinese progress, it does sound exciting, but I'm not so attracted to it aesthetically. I haven't seen Chinese uh, yes. cars or Chinese phones where I'm like, wow, I never... It, it, the same well, way maybe Sony in the 80s was coming out with really interesting design. And I was like, oh, they rethought what a TV is. They rethought so what a portable music player
0: is. I brought up that exact same thing in conversation with this person. And uh, and they brought up a really good point, which is, well, A, you're seeing it in art, right? So there are artists uh, coming out of China that I think are you know among the best in the world. And that, Can but you give me an we,
1: example of a Chinese artist you really like?
0: The, I mean, obviously we can all... Point, I don't really like Ai Weiwei anymore, but I think as like an earlier, you know, early artist, that was you know one of everyone's example. Then there's like, there's the um, what's his name? He he rebranded himself as a brand and he creates uh, artworks as products. There's this guy called Made in China or something is his name. Okay. Right? Um, anyway. There, there's the the artist that makes fireworks. This is, you're going to catch me on my problem. My biggest problem with Chinese artists is that because I can't pronounce Chinese phonemes, yeah, I always forget their names. Yeah. But, you know, the artist that makes all of the fireworks, Zhu is it? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I probably got that wrong. I bet yeah, you yeah but all uh, of, I, I, <laughs> I wasn't
1: talking about art specifically. I, I'm just thinking yeah, yeah. Japan had this feeling of progress in the 80s of the, the, the growth economy and double digit growth and optimism mm-hmm. and excitement and then when I Mm -hmm. think of Japanese design in the 80s and fashion and architecture and uh, graphic design and product design it it makes me... I'm immediately attracted to those things and I haven't Seen I know of- but
0: this is so here's the thing that I didn't get you know that I, that I didn't get to but here's the point you would it wouldn't matter if you did or not the thing that they're trying to do in China right now is they're trying a they're really focused on design uh and being in Shenzhen especially so there's all these industrial design kind of teams that are emerging there and schools and stuff they even have a, a collaboration with the Victoria Albert Museum um but the other thing is, I'm hopeful are, that
1: the cool things will come out of it. But, it, yeah. but
0: the main ideological uh, shift that's happened that uh, my friend was telling me is they're no longer interested in the American market. Yeah, they're only interested in the Chinese market.
1: And maybe India. I don't. Know. Yeah.
0: Well, think about that for a second, but, though. Um, in in, ni- in wait in 1960, like Dieter Rams was Dieter Rams interested in anything other than the American and German or European markets? He wasn't interested in the Chinese market, right? And so you know, through uh, like a feedback loop within the Western ideology, he was able to become a slavery. But China obviously, co- you know, was copying or being influenced by the West. And now they're saying, no, 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 you know, and they have this idea of... Well, it's,
1: it's funny when you see... Also, again, if you think about progress, it's just the, the, the growth of the human population. And yeah, if you think of the European market or the U.S. market, if, if the, the world population is headed to 10 billion... Mm-hmm. And the US has 300 million and the EU maybe 500 million or something yeah, yeah. it's a pretty small part uh,
0: uh, yeah because you got a billion more than a billion just in China alone so anyway it's just interesting that that that's happening
1: yeah um, no it's fascinating it's just that uh, aesthetically I've always been drawn to Japan and uh, when I I hope that uh, China will create a new way because that to me is, is progress when I see things that are fresh mm-hmm I haven't seen uh, hardware design or car design, and maybe at this point, car design is so focused on efficiency that it's hard to even make an interesting design.
0: I think with electric cars, you're gonna like you know, the form factor. Because I don't think Tesla
1: playing. really looks like a. If if you didn't know it was an electric car, and it, let's say you you woke up you you'd been sleeping for 10 years and you were mm-hmm. on the road and you saw a Tesla drive by, you wouldn't be like, holy shit, what was that?
0: <laughs> right. There's just there's no grill. That's the only indicator. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. They could be more adventurous probably with the designs and then we'll probably go through a period of really But maybe
1: cars. maybe it's irrelevant. Uh, so again, with, with progress, you could be like, well, the, the progress here is that design just comes from efficiency, from aerodynamics, and we don't put any aesthetic judgments there. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, these are all pretty like human-centric ways of thinking about progress, too, right? It's like I need to your point earlier. It's like there are things that get you there faster, that get you more of something, that make you feel more relaxed, that you know give you more free time. But what if progress was the opposite? It was like, um, you know, what if it wasn't about consumption or you? What if it but, was about the other? Yeah,
1: and so you in your own work, mm-hmm. there's a prime directive that you want to do good.
0: I'm just saying that there are, like the Arcasante that I mentioned, the idea there was like that the architecture should serve the people, right? Like <laughs> that there, there that you, and we've been talking about this: the individual versus the collective, and in China, this idea that progress might happen on behalf of a collective versus um, an individual. And I think that if that changes, and it might well do as they become more and more capitalistic um, and market driven. Uh, you know that, that's in some way sad because there could be new aesthetics or new kinds of progress that are made if if we think about things differently, upside down. Maybe so. One way of thinking about it is as an individual. The other is as a group. The other is like not thinking as anthropocentrically at all, right? Anthropocentrically at all. So you don't think about the human perspective, but you might think about what is an animal in this situation, well, yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. what is the planet, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's again, uh, it, it it really depends on what your goal is. So if, if from an ecological standpoint. The growth of the human population is just a gigantic disaster. So, whatever we do in healthcare and nutrition to pe- make people live longer, yeah, like the yeah. the
0: uh, you know apparently the most progressive thing you could do is not have children. Yeah,
1: and uh, but um, that would be a funny end game if we as humans just like created all these rituals and technologies and organizations and collaborations to be safe and then we figured out that the best way to be safe is just to stop existing <laughs> that's right well it, that's just it's interesting meta- to, Like, yeah. what, what's what's the trajectory because it, it's funny seeing all the whenever there's a tech founder on a stage and he says we're going to make your life better remember that thing you had we made it ten times more efficient than everyone mm-hmm. yeah um but toward the, what end? Yeah, what's the goal? Yeah, like you yeah, said yeah. earlier,
0: what's the goal, right? But it's very, so it, it's it, very
1: suffocating when you keep thinking to what end, to what end, to what end, and then you basically can't do anything.
0: Yeah, but what if we all got together and we were like, okay, so what's the goal for the human species? <laughs> and like, there, so we might decide the goal is that we make less of an impact on the planet. Okay, like, what are the ways in which we could do that? Oh, one is we could not exist. You know, uh, that would be <laughs> one of the potential <laughs> outcomes, right? Yeah.
1: So then you, you basically you start. That's the the easiest algorithm. So save the planet and <laughs> uh, no more people. But then you're like, okay, what if we also want people to exist, but we also want the planet to flourish, and then it, it becomes a more interesting goal.
0: Well, that's why a lot of people are critical of Elon Musk's like plans to move to Mars because you know why not he's fix a, it he, here? Yeah, because he's tying progress to this idea that it's too late. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah, whatever happens, we need an ex—we need an exit strategy because you know. But that's exactly speaking, uh,
1: no we're completely. Uh, I think what's what's interesting is that uh, um, software scales so fast, so you have an era of uh, business progress where you can scale really fast and you don't even have to build factories. I, mm-hmm. I'm talking about software, things like Facebook. And uh, so. Mm-hmm. You, and then you get this enormous power in the hands of uh, a small team. I think historically you needed a much bigger team to drill for oil or to build cars or all these things. So mm-hmm. something like the example of Instagram was maybe 10 people when they were bought by... Uh, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it was sold for a billion, I think. WhatsApp was sold for 19 billion. So it's it's an enormous concentration of power. And then you get to these goals. that, If you look at them, the goals are so weird and ridiculous. Like Mark Zuckerberg saying, we need to connect people and make the world more open and connected. And he makes a very closed system. Mm-hmm. It's, it's funny it's to see his New, this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his New Year's resolution this year. Like his <laughs> New Year's resolution this year
0: is just to understand his company, basically, and the negative yeah. impact it's having on the world. <laughs> well,
1: just to explain, I think we spoke about it once. He, he, he has a weird goal every year. Like, I want to learn Mandarin, or I want to run a mile every day, or I want to automate my home. So he, he had a different goal every year outside of Facebook. And this year is like, oh, I think Facebook's kind of fucked. Let's make it better
0: well no yeah like he doesn't say it in so many words but i think he knows that in harsher terms last year he's like i have a jeeves robot in my house and this year it's like "Hmm, i might have fucked up the planet
1: (laughs) yeah well (laughs) i better figure this out it's almost that's what i'm talking about with progress so what what are the goals you set so if the goals are make sure people are glued to their screen and on facebook all the time then the algorithm figures out oh People are really uh, motivated by fear. So if we put scary news in front of them, they're addicted to Facebook. Mm -hmm. So the algorithm rewards uh, fear-driven content, whether it's left-wing or right-wing. It -hmm. it it uh, it thrives on hysteria. You're like, oh my god, everything's gonna die. I gotta check Facebook. Mm -hmm. And and so the logical outcome of an attention economy is to create hysteria. And uh, Yeah,
0: you're, you're making an argument for a kind of Darwinism or social...
1: Yeah, but... The, the,
0: it, or technical, it, technical social Darwinism. Werner, where things made, evolve.
1: Werner Herzog made a movie called Lo and Behold, and it's a documentary mm-hmm, about the internet. Good. And at some point he interviews Elon Musk and uh, Elon Musk talks about his nightmares and uh, what he's scared of. And he says, one of the things I'm scared of is AI running amok. And so what if AI uh, would be, take be, take over the financial sector and decide that war is very profitable and create wars? And it's like, well, that's already happening. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it, the goals can be so weird. So that if, if the military-industrial complex decides, well, we sell more weapons if people are more scared, so let's mm-hmm. let's make that happen. Um, yeah, it, it, it just often feels that progress is not really... Uh, in the hands of individuals it's more like it, it's the same with the atomic bomb if we don't develop it they'll develop it so we have to develop it even if it's not a good idea
0: yeah but i mean that's the argument against against libertarianism and against different forms of european or even canadian scandinavian controlled capitalism that unfettered <coughs> capitalism has this sort of like organic uh quality even though it's complete human yeah invention, but it's but it's the same with control. the
1: with uh, tax evasion, if, if one country raises the taxes, then the company will just move to the other country. So it's a weird... Uh
0: Shall we read an ad? What do you think? <laughs> 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 That's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, This, this is why I don't comes. want to
1: talk about politics. It's, it, you break it down and it's just terrifying. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, we came to two conclusions. Uh, one, the end of humanity and... <laughs> Dude. Anyway, so uh, the ad is from Jordan Draper, uh, and I'll I'll get kicked off. He's got a he's got a, a Kickstarter uh, going on. So, um, do you like board games? Sometimes. Where the flip is this going? <laughs> How about checking out this awesome new game about Japanese vending machines? It includes miniature drinks, crates, and even a vending machine that you can drop the drinks into. They may even get stuck or knocked out again later. Sounds. Oh.
1: Sounds crazy. <laughs> well, I'll do the next The craziest part is that this game is just a framework. Renowned board game designers from across the globe all made their own micro games using the same components included with the game.
0: Wow, where can I get this?
1: The Kickstarter is live now. It's called Tokyo Series by Jordan Draper. You can pre-order the game at a discount there or learn more at www.darkflightgames.com.
0: Awesome. So we'll we'll put uh, we'll put the URL and the link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. But thank you, Jordan, for sending in uh, an ad. So so where were we? uh, Let's let's let's
1: bring bring (laughs) a little positive note. So, I I think what we're also uh, learning is that it's it's really hard to know what's true. Mm -hmm. Um, We we have our own natural inclinations to trust certain people uh, from a certain background. So we trust universities and. Uh, then there's this theorist called Steven Pinker and he wrote this book about the decline of uh, violence in the history of humanity Mm -hmm. so from Primordial Man there were traditionally two visions of Primordial Man one uh, a sort of hippie-ish commune at peace with nature and the other one was barbaric uh, man-apes destroying each other and always fighting and and so they did research on skeletons and found out that a lot of people died violent deaths. Maybe 15% of, of uh, primordial man was, there would be damage to the skull or to the bones. You could see that they were uh, really bashing each other's skulls in. And so then he just looked at the data, and throughout human history, there was a peak in World War II, but after that, it's just been a decline in war between nations. There's still war within nations, but between nations, because of capitalism and trading. Uh, just violent deaths have gone down and as you mentioned crime has gone down in certain areas So, Mm -hmm. anyway I saw him speak once at the Rockefeller University and I saw him speak again at another conference and I was like his arguments were based on data and he's a very scientific guy so I'm like I I would love to believe this guy I I can't do the research so Mm -hmm. I can't go into the records of, of different nations. All, all the work that he did, I'm not going to do that. So I was like, okay, he's an expert. I trust him. I feel good. And I uh, think even uh, Jeff Koons is a big fan of his work. No, then I thought you, you
0: were going to say, and then you found out that he's actually... No, then
1: you go then you go on YouTube, and then you found the, the, the most depressing person in the world, Noam Chomsky. And he's like, well, his mm. data is flawed, blah, blah, blah. No, actually, life is getting worse and worse. So uh,
0: Noam Chomsky said that?
1: Yeah. So when you think about progress you want to believe that we're on a good trajectory and then you see Mm -hmm. Steven Pinker and you're like oh wow even though so one of the things he talks about is that the news gives you such a negative view because what if it bleeds it leads Mm -hmm. just negative news gets more views but actually if you look at data humans are
0: more peaceful than ever yeah I mean you have to just imagine that it's a conflict that's going to continue to repeat itself over and over again and um, you know, just as soon as we get old enough to figure things out, we'll die, and then the next, you know, the next group of naive people will go down the same route. Um, and we are, you know, doomed to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over again. That's you know the argument well, for yeah. being his, historically driven. One one thing is interesting about artists in general, though. Uh, just to keep this in somewhat of an artistic space, is that... I really like that
1: this episode, you're bringing in the aesthetics. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> well, is at least, that, you know, we we often uh, talk about artists, uh, and it's, it's a fault of artists, but it's also potentially a benefit, which is that we're, you know, you're forced to understand art history in order to make your next work, right? And then the institutions reward those that ground their work in art history. What's interesting about that, I think, is that what other industries are there in which uh, history... You know where you know previous work besides um you know just building on the progress of others where where the where you have to understand the whole history and what went right what went wrong what this meant um what other what other sort of uh practices do that i mean i know that of, of course I, like I, if you're a writer you're doing no
1: that. no it's, it, it it's a good point because it, uh, i had an art teacher in uh, primary school like before high school
0: mm-hmm. oh no
1: this was in high school actually And he said that he he was always fascinated by history, so he studied history. And history is basically a listicle of wars. It's like, well, we went from this (laughs) war to that war, then they killed that person, they took that territory. Human history, that's how we study history, from war to war. That's when the decisions Mm -hmm. are made. And he was so sick of it, so he's like, I'll go study art history. Because art history is like, well... The wars are in the background, and basically, well, human life was changing, so uh, mm-hmm. people were able to do printmaking, and then people were able to distribute images, and then they, yeah. uh, there was this guy in Japan, and we really liked Mount Fuji, so he made prints of Mount Fuji, and people had it in their homes, and it made them happy. So my point, as you were talking, to me, what would be progress is if, if people uh, could pursue their interests free from survival instincts and just think, okay what, what there's a lot of things I need. We got that covered by technology. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, uh, I'm safe from rain and I'm safe from wind and I have a house and I have food and now I can focus on what I'd like to do.
0: And, and I assume that's why so many people are excited about this, you know, concepts of universal basic income. But when you remove the fear of death from, you know, which a lot of people legitimately face. And I don't think we talk about that very uh, oh, yeah. often as a society. Uh, oh,
1: oh, not just death, but also just
0: a, a really painful and,
1: life from medical bankruptcy. and Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So once you remove that, uh, you know, what's possible? And once, you know, once you can sustain yourself on on a relatively, um, you know, good diet um, and you have shelter. You know, again, these are things that we take for granted, but it's like minus 20 degrees here in Toronto. And it's like there are people that are out on the streets that don't have a roof over their head. Right. So if we could take care of the like. Speaking of goals, like if we could just all like collectively decide, like, hey, that should be the goal, so that we, I think that then real human progress is possible. I mean, there are glimmers of hope, of course, all the time, but um, well,
1: definitely, I think if you live in China, a lot of people come out of poverty, and of course, the environmental side effects and there's architectural and city side effects that are not positive, but generally, I think people are happy that they're coming out of poverty. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard to imagine. Uh, poverty, if you
0: yeah. I think one of the interesting technical innovations. I was watching the new Al Gore, uh, Inconvenient oh, yeah. Two documentary. Well, I think you know there's one, you know, one major insight um, that he demonstrates. You know, you know, in the first one where he's on that crane and he's like, you know, here's the the temperature rise and he he's on he, the forklift goes up and up and up and up and you're like, oh my god, how far does this graph go? And he goes to the ceiling of the theater. He has one of those moments in this film, but it's really interesting because it's about the cost of solar energy, Yeah, which in one year, I think changed by a factor of 1000% or something ridiculous. Um, and so it's, it's sort of so a Moore's cheap. law
1: of solar energy.
0: Yeah, which is, it, and it's interesting because, uh, and the reason I h- kind of got excited about it is, well, Kristen, uh, my partner's uh, grandfather, he was a nuclear scientist and, and ended up having a negative impact on his uh, genome, which ended up as a corruption that was passed down through his family, but so he got became obsessed with, um, you know, because of this mutation, became obsessed with uh, solar energy. It and sounds like a
1: like a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, he invested the rest of his life. He becomes in, like
1: an, an evil solar villain.
0: Well, a lot of my life is uh, like a movie. Anyway, so he invested <laughs> <laughs> he invested the rest of his life in solar energy and, and holds holds quite a few patents that. Uh, you know, represent that investment. But, um, and, you know, he died before this kind of change, but I remember the last time I met with him, like, he was in his, like, late 80s, and he was, like, so driven... You know, still typing up and reviewing recent research, and like this solar thing has to work out. You, you know, the potential here is just like so great, and f- you know, as a for human progress, this would be so fantastic. And because he had seen a real human cost in his own life, I found that very inspiring. Yeah, you know, I, I'm
1: always I'm always surprised. How can you not be excited about solar energy? So it, uh, there's the libertarian wave of people, and then there's the sort of survivalists people that people on the far right that uh, believe the end of times is coming mm-hmm. but they also like the coal mining industry it, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you want to live off the grid of course you would want solar energy
0: mm-hmm. well for the first time like flying over Nevada and Arizona on my way uh, down south i saw like solar farms in the united states like patches of like black solar farms yeah. which is kind of exciting to but see but the
1: and we'll have to see how it works out it, it there's this other uh, side of the coin that Every time we get excited about progress, and then you learn later that there the are <laughs> side <laughs> effects to it. So That's right. when, when the web came out, everybody thought, well, this is going to bring people closer together. And it turns out now there's, we're headed more to micronations. And uh, then... Uh, maybe now everybody's excited about blockchain and, that, oh, this is going to disrupt banking and then we'll see, mm-hmm. oh, actually there will be five big players and they'll, they'll have more power than the banks ever yeah. had. ahead. So maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe for solar energy, we're like, well, that'll solve the Middle East conflict and there's like, oh, there's a whole new conflict. So yeah, you never like know what's going to happen.
0: If I told you that the top videos, like the, the most popular videos on the internet or television shows in the world are survivalist shows, would that surprise you? Like, shows yeah. where people have to survive off yeah. the grid.
1: Naked and Afraid is one of the Yeah,
0: there's like dozens of those. Now, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if this is true. I want to look up the statistic, but like, it strikes me that there's that, a lot of that Probably stuff.
1: Bitcoin videos, yeah. I mean, crypto <laughs> videos,
0: yeah. And there's a whole, uh, there's a whole like, je- like a uh, culture of people who uh, kind of are doomsdayers or whatever that, yeah. you know, prepare yeah. basically. But that's also stuff. the
1: funny thing that we, it's again this algorithm of creating hysteria that maybe. <laughs> If, if you would look at it scientifically, we're safer than ever, and everybody feels like the world is ending pretty soon.
0: Yeah, or they're like fetishizing this idea that like, wouldn't it just be great if I had to, if, if I didn't have to it's live It's almost
1: like an conflicts. autoimmune disease. It's like, I'm so safe <laughs> that I have to create a Mad Max world because my brain can't cope with the boredom of being completely safe.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's take this like down a personal notch. You're in LA uh, and you've got a show there. Yeah. And you managed to escape uh, the snow apocalypse, or what's called a yeah, I cyclo- was very cyclone bomb. Yeah, I was very <laughs> lucky
1: that the, 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 um, all the flights the day before I was flying were canceled, and all the flights on my day were canceled except my flight. It was really bizarre.
0: Yeah, I, how, I looked know, at, it was like, how did he get there? Like, I how went did to, he escape? It's like, yeah,
1: <laughs> I really couldn't believe it. I was looking at the, for a few days, I was looking at the... Flight departures and it just all these red letters saying canceled, 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 and then there's one flight to LA (laughs) for some. And I went to the airport. There was hardly anyone there, just our flight. Yeah. So the like the 200 people that were in that plane and the the the, all the restaurants and the stores were closed in the airport because nothing worked. And for some (laughs) reason, somebody decided this kid has got to go to LA. And you've yeah. got a
0: little show opening at Steve Turner, the hardest working gallerist in uh, a big <laughs> the show. Art world. Yeah. It's yeah. a big show of your uh, textiles, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, it again progress. So Instagram, I really love Instagram. I love that it's a direct feed into the world and it's visual, so it's less negative than Twitter or Facebook. I really, I just the scale of the images is so small; it's really mm-hmm. incredible. So mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Steve Turner space is really gigantic but it's hard to convey in photos
0: mm-hmm. no i've seen i've actually never been i don't know why i've never been in person uh but i've seen many install shots and your yours actually made the space look bigger than i'm used to okay. seeing. like when when jonas does a show there it always looks tiny but. yeah yeah
1: no it, it's very misleading because uh but I, I the previous show we had a dog in some of the photos for scale but uh,
0: But it looks very But even dogs,
1: yeah, dogs are different So there's different sizes of dogs It's not the best measure of scale
0: Anyway, I was just thinking you are in the ideal climate at the ideal time This Um, is a nice time to be here Yeah, it's
1: 22 degrees in the afternoon Mm
0: -hmm. And you get to have a little opening When is the opening? Is it this evening? Why is it little? What's
1: this little opening? It's a big (laughs) Big opening Yeah, it's (laughs) progress (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, the opening is tonight, but uh, uh, by the time we post this uh, podcast, It'll be too late. yeah,
0: people can go see the show. That'll be, be up for a while, I see. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, um, I have two big shows in uh, Japan. So,
0: oh, great! Be fun. So you get to go off to Japan. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, that's great. the that's so, the yeah, other trajectory.
1: Look- so there's the, there's the human and the world scale trajectory, and then there's a personal trajectory where. Uh, at least for me, yeah. most of the time, if I look back a few years, like, oh, it's going well. It's going in a direction I want.
0: Yeah. Th- I think that's what I was thinking, uh, you know, why I bring it up is that, you know, you look at the macro and it seems like insurmountable, but within your own life, there are little things that are, are happening or you're doing. There are all kinds of progress. For me, it's a cappuccino machine with cardamom. <laughs> for you, it happens But to be even, a even show, for now. you, like,
1: like how long have you worked on FreshBooks? books?
0: Yeah, like, actually, this year is, like, a, I feel really... I, one reason I came back to work really energized is I, I've worked on this product for eight years. We we redesigned it from scratch. It's finally getting to a place But do where you ever look back at the old versions
1: product. to see the work you've done, uh, where you, where you no, went? No, no, yeah, I did a, it, it, I, I did a lot I of that. I don't want to uh, use the word uh, progress, uh, but the, uh, all the changes that happen.
0: Yeah, I, I, I do. I was doing a lot of that this week because I was, uh, in, I'm in the process of... Uh, about to go on, you know, tour for some to pre- to present on uh, this 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 kind of crazy thing we did, where we uh, invented and threw away our, a company um, to build a new product. Anyway, so i have been looking back and like going over all of the achievements. It is, and it is really
1: interesting that because software, you don't really have versions anymore. Mm-hmm. It just constantly changes. So if you make cars and you go to the Volkswagen or Porsche or whatever brand museum, you can see. Okay, this was the car from 1920. This was five years later, and you see the progress in front of you. But yes. with software, it's really hard to grasp the changes.
0: Yeah, and and there's this. Um, this it's just very different. The way software is made now is is about getting value into people's hands as soon as possible. And it's funny because the thing I've been reflecting on most is that, <clears throat> you know, for our customers excuse me for those that are listening too, like this is kind of like a, a personal thing that I say that I struggle <laughs> with uh, but you know we're always trying to get as much to you as possible as quickly as possible but sometimes that means that we put something out into the world that's not yet finished in in your eyes or ours or in variations right and you, you've experienced this in a lot of software products and but the perception among the public is like are these people crazy this is like not nearly what I need, right? And we're like, well, we're just trying to get you as much as we can, as quickly as we can. In the past, we would have waited a year or two years. But now what we're going to do is we're going to like, it's going to be like a gradient and things, the water's going to slowly warm up. And Yeah, do you think the product's gotten better? Uh, yeah, well, it, yeah, it's always getting better. But the thing is, what by the time it's like warm, it, the water's warm, we're like, Oop, gotta start over again. Let's get it cold. Again. That's, <laughs> that's, that's like, interesting
1: like- because if if you think of uh, the 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 tools that people had in offices to do accounting, mm-hmm. for many years they were the same. You had a, a book with the gridded paper, and you yes. had a calculator and things like that. And they would basically say this st- stay the same for thirty years, and that's also nice. It's reliable. Yes. Now, uh, any change you do is going to benefit some people and it, it, other people are going to be annoyed.
0: Okay, like the most important thing to realize, though, is that not all people are alike. And so it, th- you're absolutely right. Change annoys the pe- people who have figured out a solution, even to a difficult problem. So you might be wor- using the world's worst solution to a problem, but you've hacked together a better way of doing it. And it works. And it's like, fine, it works. I don't touch this. You know mm-hmm. how, how much effort I put into making this work, right? But then, you know, someone new, you know, comes along and they try your thing, your hack, or they try a version of it that, where they don't understand those workarounds. And they're like, what is this? I can't even use this thing. And they just don't use it. And what I think a lot of companies, including our own, have been, you know, the reason we were always trying to push it forward is for that person that hasn't yet consumed it right and, yeah. and in so doing though that causes a problem where there's a tension between you know, let's call it the membership and the new member right but
1: yeah if, if you look at something like uh, gmail like a service that a lot of people use and mm-hmm. if you use the Wayback machine or i don't know how you would go back and use the the gmail from 2005 you'd be like how did i ever survive with this or you go back to hotmail from 2001 Mm-hmm. And there's clear progress, but then there's a lot of things like, oh, I missed that old layout, or I missed that old feature, or that was really helpful, and of course, it, it works for me.
0: Of course, yeah. And and this is like, uh, it's one of the intractable problems. I, I feel like by the, maybe by the time I end my career, I'll have figured it out. But like, how do you please those two sides of the spectrum? But it,
1: it is an. It, this is a very interesting point for me that human progress is is really built on being able to see the past and then make a decision about the future. Mm -hmm. So uh, because we can write things down, we can pass knowledge on to other generations and uh, we can externalize our memory, we can put parts of our thoughts into other media, that way we can exponentially grow knowledge, all these things. Then when it comes to software, it's so liquid and hard to archive and uh, fluid and, and immaterial that it might be really hard for a previous generation to learn from previous design decisions. So that is is kind of a new point. I heard about this um, in Silicon Valley. There's several computer museums, and they save a lot of archives of uh, maybe Steve Wozniak's design notes as he was designing a computer. Mm -hmm. And he was developing the first uh, commercial uh, personal computer, and he has all these notes, and they're really interesting historically. Oh, they ran into this problem, and that's how they got there, and you could learn from that to build new things. But now that all communication between people is encrypted and not even saved anywhere and uh, things like that, so that's an interesting point in history where um, the past is not as visible as it was.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, the test for, I think, any, you know, any of us is to hand, you know, a laptop to a four-year-old and an iPad or something. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but they're likely to, you know, figure out the iPad. And when you tell them that the laptop has more functionality and can, you know, render faster. Yeah, but that's
1: a bit like saying they can figure out crayons, so their crayons are the future.
0: (laughs) No, I know. I'm just saying that the interface that uh, is most approachable for a beginner is not necessarily the one that allows for the greatest capability. And there's always going to be this tension... And, and, you know, we mentioned Clayton Christensen, like, on every episode, basically. (laughs) Uh, But it's, like, people are looking for not a set of features, but progress, right? And uh, they're they're looking looking, for milkshakes. The progress they want to make is to achieve a certain goal or outcome. You know, my favorite, you know, thing is people don't buy a skateboard because it has wheels and trucks and, like, certain grade of sandpaper on the board or whatever. They buy, you know, they buy the board that lets them do the coolest kickflip, right? It's, like, they're Mm -hmm. not... They're interested in, they're buying kick flips. They're not buying, um, and beyond that, actually, they're buying cool, like looking yeah. cool. I was t- Did you watch I, There
1: Will Be Blood? I just wanted to mention. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there's we, the we end scene when, earlier. well, because we we're talking about milkshakes, and there's mm. the end scene with the the little kid priest guy, and he comes in, and he, he's like, I have this land, and he's like, I have a longer straw, and I just drank your milkshake. And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> right yeah. in front of it. Yeah. And now your milkshake is gone.
0: I will once again put the Clayton Christensen milkshake video in the yeah, show. Yeah, but we should also put that
1: uh, there will be blood milkshake scene in there. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'll put both side by side.
0: That'll yeah. be good. Okay, there's probably a whole other episode in there that I would I would love to do on um, oh, yeah. well, but
1: just uh I was really always kind of annoyed with audio files and vinyl. I th- I just didn't. I, I understand CDs sound better than MP3s, but so uh, about progress. So mm-hmm. at some point, audio was making progress in terms of portability, but not in terms of audio quality. And I was like, okay, whatever. But now that I watch movies more in the theater, well, that is really a better experience. So mm-hmm. the, the the progress of Netflix and on demand and binge watching, for me at least, it it doesn't have the same. Um, uh, I, it sounds a bit word, but it doesn't have the same spiritual satisfaction like when you get out of a good movie in mm-hmm. the theater and it's, it's for some reason also on film it's better it's a yeah. bit it, so film is dreamier that's the thing mm-hmm. for me you enter a dream and um, so then progress uh, that uh, the same with the industrial food it's like okay is that progress that we can things and the, or that it's uh, it, drive through or things like that
0: Well, I think if you like you again, I will emphasize that if if you take the technology out and you take put the emotion in, the progress you were seeking was a feeling of uh, dream-like, you know, state or delight, uh, and that that has nothing to do. That has nothing to do with the format upon which your film has been encoded. Has everything to do with the experience that you have, and so I think it also has to do
1: with encoding. Yeah. There's the there's the the thing when you get to really high frame rate in movies and it, they mm-hmm. call it the soap opera effect. So yes. people will artificially turn down the frame rate to make it feel more dreamy. So sometimes yeah. progress, more resolution or more frames, doesn't. The primary function of the the movie is to disappear. And then if the technology makes it feel like, uh, yeah, it going the to the grocery that. store. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, these 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 are all examples. Um. Yeah, no. this, this is. There is a lot of material here. I, I'm biting my tongue. Yeah, like I know. I have. I, I, have, uh, I have like same with stories say, for <laughs> me.
1: For me, a, a clear example is that the bandwidth made the inter- internet less unique. Before mm. uh, the internet had a very unique aesthetic because
0: the bandwidth was so limited. Well, people often talk about how constraints are the mother of invention, right? So yeah, um, so but
1: that's the funny thing with progress. It's like, oh, let's remove the constraints. It's like, oh, they were actually interesting.
0: <laughs> it depends on what progress you're seeking. If you're yeah, seeking, yeah, exactly. if, if it's uh, intellectual stimulation, then yeah, probably. Or anyway, but for those that just want to uh, hound down milkshakes and hamburgers, I
1: do, th- I do, th- <laughs> I do think. Uh, Uh, podcasts are a wonderful medium that I enjoy so uh, um, there's some progress yeah didn't exist before I'm happy it exists
0: uh, looking back on a year we can say like hey we've been podcasting for over a year now we have beautiful listeners Um, you know we're lucky to have them who listen every week and uh, I feel like we're making great progress in that way I have an outlet for like the myriad of stupid ideas (laughs) (laughs) and weird things that I read Um, yeah and and yeah, so and also I'm, I'm, our show
1: I'm, notes are becoming an interesting database. We should collect them mm. all.
0: Well, they are collected. I wonder whether there's a way that I don't know. I actually have zero knowledge of if anyone has ever clicked on a link. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's
1: what's but great about podcast. <laughs> really, that's what I love about podcasts, That you don't have that information.
0: Yeah, it is always a delight when a stranger walks up to me and says, I listen to your podcast or something at work that I didn't expect.
1: And and not this stupid numerical reduction of uh, this Mm. many people listen to that part in that minute, so we should do more things like in that minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, the progress we're seeking is uh, to get to spend more time with you all. So on that note, though, uh, one uh, listener sent in, the same listener that sent in an ad, Jordan Eat more vegetables, that should be everybody's... uh, (laughs) Yeah, so that has nothing to do with what I'm about to say. But yeah, <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, Draper sent, <laughs> Jordan Draper sent in a field recording. Uh, he also sent in the ad that we read earlier. Um, and so he says, I'm a board game designer, as you know, from his ad and an artist from Salt Lake City. And I have a new series of games about vending machines, architecture and life in Tokyo. Right. So he, he talked about that Kickstarter on January 6th. He also has a field recording for us. Um, and it's of some carolers in Oslo. Uh, and he's been spending Christmas here with his girlfriend uh, before moving back to Tokyo. Um, so maybe you'll meet up with him in Tokyo. I don't know. That's maybe I'm yeah. asking too much. Uh, but uh, Dr- Jordan Draper, thank you for sending in uh, this, this, uh, these carolers from Oslo, which was great for me to hear because. Uh, I was in Oslo earlier this year, and it's, it's quite it's I quite thought beautiful. they only made
1: black metal in Oslo, but they also carol.
0: <laughs> and this is probably, we have to put this one to rest because it's seasonal. Uh, this is the la- sort of last Christmassy thing. No,
1: uh, we or- celebrate all year. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I hope you're all enjoying uh, gifts or uh, personal uh, ambitions for the new year. Um, I don't know. What do you want to say? Anything inspiring? For the year ahead, uh, uh, Raphael? Eat,
1: eat more vegetables.
0: Oh, yeah, right. You said eat more And I, I would assume uh, drink more specialized teas.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't see any real benefit in that. But I think if humanity decided to eat more vegetables, I think things would be better.
0: Well, I am a vegetarian at lunch, so maybe you could all take on the same resolution that <laughs> I did. Uh, do vegetarian More for lunches. health well, reasons.
1: I just think uh, there's so many... Uh, different diets and people can get anxiety which one is the right one to follow what's the best way to live I think eat more vegetables
0: yeah but also 30% less carbon if we just all ate vegetarian at lunch anyway okay yeah or don't have children (laughs) (laughs) don't have children okay uh, with that in mind thank you Jordan for sending in your don't have
1: children and eat all the meat you want
0: (laughs) we leave you with these beautiful carolers Um, have a great week everyone bye bye
1: bye (laughs) bye ser ni någonting? vi sa, nå ville lyssna till att kan synge Ja, ja, det Ja, ja. jag Ska Nej, det kan synge på norsk, så det det är er grejt. Okej, Ja. Men det blir blir långt full och sätter. Så säger vi små musen har tre unga Vi synger våre på den På i Hei, opp, faller, da Hei, opp,
0: faller, da Tusen takk, det ja, flott!
1: Jeg får putte lite upp i posen har let me know